Welcome to the Mobile DJ Business Podcast with Rob Peters. That's right, Rob Peters is back doing a podcast, but this time it's about bringing in guests and sharing experiences and information to help you create a better DJ business for you, your clients, and your community. Now, here's a guy who likes to wear his sunglasses at night, Rob Peters. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's show. Glad to have you here. My name's Rob, and welcome to my podcast. Thanks for downloading, everybody. My guest today, coming up in a few minutes, Bill Herman of The Entertainment Experience. We're going to talk about training. This is the time of year where all the kids go back to school, and I used to love this time of year. I got to be honest with you. It was always great because you always got stuff that was new, you know, your, your parents took you out school shopping and maybe you got some new clothes or a new pair of sneakers or you got new school supplies. And I like this time of year because I like to use it as an opportunity to look at what is going to be new for my business next year. September is the month that I use as an opportunity to be able to set some really good goals and to put a plan in place on how I'm going to get there. And I encourage you to do the same. It's a great time of year to be able to do it. And it allows you to be able to focus on what you may need to do for the rest of this year to get to your goals for the year. It also gives you enough notice to be able to plan ahead for what you'd like to do for the first half of next year. Bill Herman's coming up next, everybody. I got to pay a couple of bills. You're listening to the Mobile DJ Business Podcast. Experience what 3D audio sounds like with Floyd Rose headphones. I absolutely love my pair, and I know you'll love a pair too. The comfortable over-the-ear design combined with sound that travels around your head brings you sound like no other. And when you're trying to be in the mix, it's important that you can hear not only what you're mixing out of, but what you're mixing into. And Floyd Rose headphones do just that, featuring a new technology that enhances the human ear and gives the listener 3D sound that has a broader range with perfect highs, mids, and lows. Get your pair today. Order them online at floydroseaudio.com. That's floydroseaudio.com. Hey friends, IDJ Now is one of the places I go to for my gear, for their friendly service, their competitive pricing, and an awesome staff. Whether I'm dealing with them on the phone or online, they know what customer service is all about. IDJ Now carries everything you need for gear, including speakers, controllers, lights, uplighting, cases, accessories, and so much more. Check out their website, idjnow.com. They now have a really cool financing program through a firm, and you can find out about all of that and check out the pricing and the gear at idjnow.com. Hey, everybody. As you know, RPE, we do a lot of bar nights. And you know, I use speed quizzing smartphone trivia from my bar trivia nights because it is the future of bar trivia that features a friendly app that your customers are going to download. You play the hosted game and they get to submit their answers electronically. Not only have I used it not only have I used it for my bar nights, but I've found ways to incorporate it into other events I do, including corporate events and holiday parties. Speed quizzing events are great because there are no pens, no paper, and no cheating. Find out more about speed quizzing today at speedquizzing.com. Do you remember going back to school in the fall and the teacher asking you what you did over the summer? 
Well, I'm proud to say that I created more weekday revenue with the Bubble Parties business program. In fact, I was out at least four days a week doing some fun shows for kids ages three to seven. Plus, I even booked a wedding for one of the teachers. The Bubble Parties business program makes it easy to get started in making money doing these kinds of shows in your market. Get our free special report at bubbleparties.com. Now that we get that out of the way, Bill Herman is on the show today. Bill, welcome. Thanks, Rob. This is something new. I'm excited to be a part of it. You're one of the people that I get a lot of information from in just offstage conversations. The last time we spoke together was Midwest DJs Live in 2018. Yes. And you walked up to me, and it was before you went on. It was after I was on, and you had told me uh, you were giving me some compliments and kudos about my presentation and you said you got to check this out you got to check out my new business card and you handed me your new business card and I thought it was really well put together it was well done and I loved the picture on the front and I thought that was a really cool thing to be able to show what the end result is because it was a picture of people having a great time and you were in the photograph with them and I think it communicated to anybody who picked up your business card that you're a pretty fun guy, first of all. And second of all, that a party with you is going to be that kind of an experience. And the next thing you know, you said, well, check this out. And you had four different pictures on your business card of four different environments. I have my game show brand. I have my wedding brand. I have my kids brand. And what I did was I took your idea and communicated what the end result was by putting on that we do kids entertainment and showing a picture of a kid doing hula hoops in the middle of some bubbles. I thought that was a great thing. So I want to thank you for that because I get the best compliments about my business cards now because of you. Well, honestly, um, I, the, the design idea just came out of what I wanted the card to do. Um, I really, I don't know that uh, it was nice that you saw that it, it communicated uh, what I did in different environments, but really I just wanted each card. The only result I wanted was that anybody who took the card would, would look at it and go, Oh wow, I, I need to, I need to call that guy. And if it would do that with any, I mean, I, whatever photograph that would make somebody do that, that's the photograph I would want to use. You've been in the industry for a while. Tell us a little bit about how you got started, how your career has evolved into what you're doing now. <laughs> well, we could be here for a while folks i'm just saying it's um well i i my background is as an actor i knew i wanted to be an actor when i was five years old i was in whenever there was a chance for me to be on stage or any kind of a school thing or early on even community theater um that's what i wanted to do and and because i was a kid who wanted to show off a lot or because I was always in front of people, you know, telling jokes or I even had a little recorder. I went on and recorded people. I was you know, at five, six, seven, eight years old. Um, plus, you know, my ADHD, but at the time it was called something else. I think the technical word was spaz. But, uh, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> um, I was just all around doing all kinds of things, trying to get attention here and there. And as I got older, um, when I was about uh, 12 years old, <clears throat> excuse me, my, uh, in the, the little town of Frankfurt, Michigan, a radio station opened its doors, had its first uh, on-air 
I got, I got, I got a license and opened up WBNZ. And my dad, who's always trying to give me things to do that wasn't around the house, um, drove me up the tallest hill in Frankfort, Michigan, where the transmitters uh, sat and the little trailer was there where the, uh, the studios were. And he said, you know, kid, you got to go in there and try to get yourself a job. And he sat in the station wagon while I tromped across the gravel driveway uh, or, or parking lot rather and, and up into the trailer and past the uh, lady who was working as an, uh, as a receptionist and right into the general manager's office without breathing or saying hi. Um, and I sat across from a guy by the name of Mike Bradford and said, my name is Billy Herman. You should hire me. And instead of looking over his shoulder, calling in his secretary and wondering, you know, who is this kid and why is he here and why you get rid of him? He paused for a second. He said, really, why, why, why do you want to do this? And then he, he and I talked for about an hour. He listened to me mostly. And when we were all done, he took a long pause. And in that, in that moment that I thought he was probably just going to pat me on the head and send me on my way. He reached into his um, um, big steel uh, uh, desk drawer and pulled out a, a brand new uh, uh, Marantz uh, cassette recorder and a microphone, handed it to me with a WBNZ flag. And he says, now go back to your school and your friends and your teachers and do some interviews and then come back when you have these two 90 minute cassettes filled up. Um, which was, uh, at the time, I didn't see how extraordinary um, that was and how uh, generous he was being. And he sent me away, and I went off and I, you know, interviewed everybody I could get my hands on, and I, you know, as, as good as any 12-year-old could interview people, just, you know, trying to be cool. And I did. I interviewed my teachers. I interviewed the sports coaches. I interviewed mostly my friends. I came back with 180 minutes worth of uh, audio and he smiled at me and says, okay, good. Well, follow me into the studio. And he sat there and he showed me how to transfer that tape onto reel-to-reel -reel, uh, magnetic tape. And when I had that all done, he showed me that uh, I was supposed to cut out all the stuff that was boring and then come back and get me. And I spent all day cutting 180 minutes down to 90 um, and then got, got, went back to him. And then he just said, well, that was good. Now go do, do the same thing, but half as many things. And he did that over and over and over over the next three weeks. And uh, I had a little three-minute show that he put on the air Wednesday morning. He gave it the name uh, Billy Herman School News and Report, which changed to Benzie Central School News and Report. And uh, he said, now, if you can do that every week and you know, deliver something to me every Tuesday, I'll put it on Wednesday morning on the morning show. And he paid me five bucks every time I did it. And I was immediately... Um, uh, a radio professional in my, in my, <laughs> in my mind. And then the morning guy, Dusty Weatherford, who's no longer with us as well. Um, he, he had a DJ rig where he did parties and I was really fascinated by that as well. Here's another chance to do things, but now I'm going to be in front of an audience. I followed him around like an annoying puppy for about two years, trying to learn everything I could. Uh, uh, lifted every bit of gear he told me to lift and did everything he told me to do. And I didn't get paid for a dollar of it. And then when I did my first party, I had borrowed his stuff. I think I, I don't think I made very much money at all. I know I didn't, but I, you know, I always just saw DJing as another way for me to be a performer because between that and I still worked in theater and I still, uh, from that job, I also became a, a newspaper, uh, a writer for the local newspaper for, you know, the sports in my school. And uh, 
I got my first summer stock uh, professional theater job when I was 15. Um, and uh, when I graduated high school, I went to radio school. But I'd always been doing parties. I, the DJing was always something that was there. While I was also working as a performer, I didn't really see it as I'm a DJ. I'm a performer who also has a place to DJ. You know, it, it was like, it was like for me, you know, getting a job on the stage in a play, I, uh, I had to be invited onto that stage. Whereas with my DJ stuff, I could create my own stage and then take my stage and my show to someone and they could buy it. So I'm still always have a stage and I'm always the star of the show. I'm not always getting paid, but I wasn't always getting paid in theater either. Mm -hmm. So uh, over the years, it's been that and, uh, and radio and uh, uh, television and uh, small films and small parts in films and uh, uh, voiceover stuff. But it's always DJing parties have always, has always been a constant, you know. And and when I decided to start making it something that would bring in, bring in my main income, it was uh, it was in the early '90s um, where I just dropped every other thing I, I was doing because I was also to be able to be a performer, you know, you're told that you have to have a regular job too. So when I quit everything, I I, I left a, quite a lucrative uh, job, making a lot of money to finally just say, I, I'm going to see if I can make a living doing this. And if I can't, then I, I always have this thing that I got good at that I go back to. Um, and that was, uh, after that gig, I, I built what I kind of have now. And then that built into all the other things that I'm doing. The, the teaching came out of, uh, it came out of me taking on some leadership in my area to help create an association. And from the association, we had a yearly, get together, which was a conference where we brought in people to speak and to, you know, to inspire and to teach. And I was always, uh, I was always on the board of the association. I, in fact, was their first president. And then I was also the MC of the conferences because that's really what I wanted to do. Right. So um, about a few years into it, somebody uh, told me that I should do some kind of a speech and not knowing what to talk about. I just went up and talked about my perspective on what I do as a performer. That was as well received as it was. People didn't really get what I was talking about. I thought that everybody did what I did the way I did it. Everybody looked at what they did from the perspective that I came from. I mean, from what I saw, what, what we do is a theatrical experience. There's a theatrical thing going on in every event that we are, even if unaware of, it's happening without us. And uh, using what I'd learned in theater over the years, and when you get into theater, you're not just learning acting. If you want to stay in it, you got to learn how to act, and you got to learn staging and lighting and, and, and sound and, and directing and uh, backstage props and costuming, and you, know, you learn the entire thing. Well, if you look at a wedding or an event, all of those things are happening there as well. So that's what I was talking about on stage. And afterwards, they were like, that was cool and all, but we don't really understand what you're talking about or how we're going to do that. And as disheartened as I was, I thought, well, I need to write this in a different way, I guess. Because I, th I thought everybody would be bored. I thought, well, yeah, no, duh, we do that too. Oh, no, that's of course. That's what, that's what this is, right? I mean, but everybody was looking at me sideways like they'd never heard this before. And I... So I decided to kind of try to figure out a, like a class I could maybe teach or to, to expand upon it. Cause I had, 
always mentored people who wanted to, anybody who asked a question, I'd answer them. Anybody who wanted inspiration or wanted me to help them, I helped them. Um, so I came up with this idea to do this, um, which I was going to do. And then my wife kind of looked at me and said, well, if you want to continue to be a mentor and a coach and this guy that people come to, to get advice from, um, you're, you're starting to take away, you know, funding and, and family time. You're going to have to find a way to be compensated for it. And as much as I didn't want another business, um, I just said, well, I'll do this thing once a year. I'll invite some people if they want to be a part of it. And, and at least my wife will be happy and I can still teach if I want to. Um, so honestly, the entertainment experience grew from 2010 to now. Uh, and it continues to grow despite the fact that I really didn't want to do it. And I really didn't, well, I like to do it, but I didn't really want to have another business. I'm a more motivated performer than I am a business person. So despite the fact that I don't market it very well, it's been, it's been okay. Um, and the workshop um, immediately was good and, and did well. I, I went to Australia twice with this workshop. Just it's, it's astounding that anybody would have even heard about me over in Australia. I've been to England twice with this thing. And now I'm going to be doing it twice here in the United States. And I never really did more than one. And I only take 16 people in to the darn thing. So uh, um, that just kind of, like I said, it grew out of me wanting to help, uh, but also needing to be compensated because I was helping to the detriment of spending uh, quality time with my family. Um, and then the, the podcast, you know, that started... I st the first podcast I did was with Mark Farrell and Disc Jockey America Radio, mm -hmm. and it was fun. Uh, I missed radio. Uh, I wanted to be in radio again, and I missed it. So um, once again, it was like create your own stage, create your own show, create your own little radio station instead of worry about somebody hiring you. So that's what Disc Jockey America was. Um, I was a program director for that for Mark Farrell, along with my uh, friend and colleague uh, Jason Jones. Mm -hmm. And he and I were the programmers uh, for the shows. We helped to develop all the shows that were on it. We did our own little show called the Bill and Jason show. I did my own little show called deep probe, which was like an interview show, like what you're doing here. And uh, that lasted as long as it lasted. But when the, sh when DJ disc Jackie America was no longer Jason and I still wanted to do this because we were all radio guys. He worked, you know, he's a radio, he's really, really talented radio guy. I learned tons from him um, and continue to, but we wanted to continue to do it. So we just became, we started our own little show. And then when he decided to build another business and decide not to do the podcast anymore, I just kept it going and decided to call it creative license. And it started out as like an hour long, hour, hour long show. And it, we, we went down to like, you know, 45 minutes to a half an hour to 15 minutes. And when I started doing my little, sh my little shtick show, I keep it to about three and a half to five minutes. I bring up one thing I want to talk about, whatever's in my head at the time, I make my point and ask people what they think. And then I'm gone and I do it once a week. And it's mostly on video. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's audio too, but only when I remember to try, <laughs> remember to, to take the audio off and upload it to, to something. How much of your acting experience do you feel impacts what we do week in and week out at our events it, it impacts me in the way i do a thing quite a lot mm -hmm. because i've chose i've chosen to 
to build what I do for my clients using the pieces and bits of theater and the business of theater and the idea of creating a, 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 a group experience um, like, you know, like when you go to a play and, and uh, at every, if you go see it every single time, there's a spot where the entire room, regardless if it's 100 people or 5,000 people, will have the same emotional response. You know, they'll laugh or they'll cry and they'll do it at the same time every single time. And, and the fact that the, you know, the theater has the power to do that is, is fascinating. I don't think it's necessary for DJs to take it on because they've been not taking it on for years. You know, they, they take on the one piece of it. It's the audio piece of it. You know, um, they take the art of the song, they play the song and they hope that that art that Elton John created will create an emotional response in the room that, that will motivate people to either dance or to cheer or to sing along or whatever that is. I mean, they let the song do the work. But that's oftentimes, that's all it's done because that's the job, right? I mean, that's what I was taught. You play music and if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. If they don't, you pick something else. I wanted to have more control over those emotional responses. So I took on what I learned about theater and started attaching those to those things. Does it affect you? Uh, I think it can, it can and will if you take it on. Is it necessary for a DJ to take these things on? No, because it's being proved every day that they, they can have their, their show and just understand equipment and know how to play a song. And they can even not to create great sets. And at some point, someone's going to be affected in the room. You're going to impact something and someone in the room. So you're doing a job. I'm not one to say to everybody, you should all do it the way I do it because that's not right. I mean, there's got to be a bunch of people out there doing what I'm doing a lot better than me. Um, I just have found this, this thing that keeps me on track of the art form that I'm creating. Uh, can it have a great impact on you if you take on these things? I, 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 know, I know it can. I've, I prove it with the, with the workshop that I do. Mm -hmm. um, do you have to take on everything that I teach? No. I mean, people take on one little piece of it and they go back and they have a transformational experience with their business and with their performance. But it isn't something that, you know, go take an acting class and you will be the most amazing person. Well, no, you'll start to learn from that acting class how good you are and how good you aren't. The things you can get better at and the things is you, that, you, uh, that you shine at. Um, and then you begin to see that there's a pathway to be able to polish you into the kind of performer you're hoping to be instead of just I throw myself on stage and then I'm judged as to who, what I am there's a lot more to the answer to that question. It's, it's kind of like, you know, if I take a golf class, will I become a better golfer? Well, I suppose you can, if you take the golf class and then take it seriously, you know, golfing a, a golf class, you know, teaches you how to keep your head down and to bring your elbow in and to, to bring your knees together and turn your foot into the right and kind of jerk yourself around. So you look like a pretzel trying to swing the club and then you take all of those things and go out on the golf course and try all that stuff all at once. And you just look like you're having a seizure or you <laughs> learn all these things and then you practice them and practice them and practice them. So that your muscle memory comes as such so that the next time you go out on the course, you are, it's easier. But the other thing that I think is important, it's one of the biggest lessons I learned from you and Jason on your podcast. And it was one that we recorded live in Vegas at the Trop. You got to make time 
to take what you're learning, whether it's at a convention or on this podcast or in your podcast or in your program, and you've got to make time to implement it so that it, that whole natural movement, if you will, that you equate to when it comes to golf can come through in your performance. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I, I call that the, uh, the then what uh, moment, mm-hmm. you know, people come back from a conference and they say, well, man, I saw this and I saw that and these really cool ideas. And I, I, I get back and I did, I don't, I don't know what to do. Well, I had a young lady uh, come to me after, after the conference and she just started raving about how great the conference was and all the really cool things that she saw that I've never seen before. And I just so glad that I came. And then she stopped and I said, that's great. And, and she goes, yeah. And when there was a pause and I said, so, okay, now what? And she looked at me, she goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you, you seem really excited. You seem really, really jazzed about what you just came here and spent a lot of money to see and to get really inspired by. So uh, was your, was it just that you could tell me how cool it was or do you have something else in mind? Well, oh, I, I, geez, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I'll come up with something. I said, well, I, you probably will or you're not. I said, but if you, you made a, a you made a, you made a, a plan to come here and you chose that you thought you'd come and then you actually did. And then from doing that, you got really inspired and you never thought you'd get any of that stuff. And it all started with, I'm excited about going. Okay, now you have this stuff. You saw these things. So now you're going to go home and tell everybody all the cool things you, you saw or are you just, or are you going to go home and do something? It doesn't really matter what you do. Pick one thing. You know, it's, it's uh, uh, with everything that I've ever done. It's like I'm, I, I'm thinking about doing a workshop. Well, that's great. Great. So, so now what? Yeah, now you mentioned you're doing a program here in the United States. Do you want to share some information about that? Uh, the workshop. Yeah, I've got yeah. two of them, actually. Um, this, usually, I only do it in November. It's always the week before Thanksgiving, not the week of it, of Thanksgiving. The week before, it's always Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and I've been doing it that way since 2010. And this year, it's this, it, I'm doing the same thing. I've got only two seats available still for a 16, that's one six, 16-seat workshop. Uh, it's in uh, the Minneapolis area, um, November 18th, 19th. And 20th. Now, by the time this airs, there may or may not be sold out because um, there's only two seats available. And that's this year, 2019. And we always do it at the Electro Voice World Headquarters because Electro Voice is one of my really great sponsors. They've been sponsoring me on this since day one and always making their available, uh, their facility available. Also, Promo Only is one of my sponsors as well. Um, and uh, um, uh, DJ Event Planner. Now, uh, the new one is going to be in North Carolina in February. Then Once again, there's only 16 seats uh, available to that, and uh, three of them are already gone. Um, and uh, once again, by the time you hear this show, it might be even more, but it's going to be in downtown Charlotte, North Carolina. It's going to be a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday after Valentine's Day. I believe that's the 17th, 18th, and 19th. And actually, those three days are two separate workshops. The first two days are is the Power to Create workshop, and the third day, Wednesday, is the Art of the Audio Edit. Um, and uh, anybody who wants to think about doing this, you can certainly go to entertainment-experience.com and, and look into it. 
But honestly, there's not one person who takes my course that I don't have a long conversation with about what they want to do, why they want to take it, um, what they what they may or may not get out of it. And then we choose together whether or not it's a good idea for them to take it. All of Bill's information is going to be in the show notes. Bill Herming, you know what? Such a great conversation. It's always great to catch up with you, whether it's in person or line, online. Thank you for being on the podcast today. You're welcome. And I'll, I'll be sure to make sure I send you a an invoice for your ticket to be in the workshop. <laughs> I look forward to it, man. Listen, take <laughs> care. And uh, till next week, everybody, you've been listening to the Mobile DJ Business Podcast with Rob Peters. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Mobile DJ Business Podcast. Give us your ideas for future guests, questions, or topics, or just stay informed about upcoming episodes on our Facebook page or visit www.mobiledjpodcast.biz. The Mobile DJ Business Podcast is a production of Rob Peters Entertainment, all rights reserved.